Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Over 2,000 years ago, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples what will become known as the Great Commission. the disciples, the ends of the earth probably felt impossible to reach. A trip to Judea would have taken close to 10 hours on foot. Samaria, 24 hours. Even further still, to get to Corinth would have taken a whopping 310 hours. That's almost 40 days. That's about the time it would take you to watch every episode of The Office four times through. Or just one commute to work around here. Seriously, that's a lot of travel on foot just to tell someone a story. By the time each of the original 12 disciples had passed on, the message of Jesus had spread far, but it took some innovation to take it further. Roughly 1,400 years later, along comes the printing press, the steam engine, the telephone, automobile, air travel, internet, the company formerly known as Twitter, the iPhone. It's now easier than it's ever been to get a message anywhere in the world in milliseconds. It really is a small world after all. Thanks to innovations in communication, transportation, and a growing global market, and now AI. By the way, ChatGPT probably wrote this script. Innovation is the heartbeat that drives the Bay Area home to countless global leaders in technology, and is one of the most diverse places on Earth. In under an hour, you could have Thai food, Indian, Mexican, Filipino, or sushi delivered right to your door. Okay, <laughs> now I'm, I'm getting hungry. One second. Sushi. On its way. You might even say the ends of the Earth are right here. In San Francisco, Palo Alto, Santa Clara, San Jose, Los Gatos, nearly every continent represented right here at home. Something the early disciples could hardly even fathom. A journey that would have taken days, weeks, months, is now as easy as inviting a coworker to lunch, taking out a neighbor's trash, or inviting a friend to coffee. Hey, Noah. Hey, you want to grab coffee, man? Absolutely. My man. It's never been an easier journey, nor a more necessary one. We have an unbelievable opportunity to reach the world by reaching the Bay Area. And the way that we believe God is calling us to do that is by bridging the gap between the church and our neighbors and between God and us. Imagine a church the church, fulfilling what was started over 2,000 years ago. A mission a couple of millennia in the making. The innovation is at our fingertips. Will we grasp it to the ends of the earth? Uh, sorry, my bad. Ah, uh, that was quick. Sushi time.
Now I'm hungry for sushi. I don't know about you uh, with that. Don't order it right now with your phone. But as you look at that, the reality of what we're talking about with breakthrough is the recognition that we have a unique opportunity. And I can't say it enough because sometimes we get so used to it. We don't even realize this privilege, this opportunity we have of just living right here in the Bay Area to be able to live out Jesus' command to his church. He said, all authority in heaven and his earth has been given to me. Go make disciples. That's marching orders. How? Baptizing them and teaching them. Bringing them to a relationship with Christ and then teaching them how to follow Christ. And I love this. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. In other words, this doesn't end until the end of the age. We do this till Jesus comes back. He tells us what we're to do. And then he says, let me tell you where you're going to do it. And I love this. He says, you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This isn't accomplished through you guys. It's through him. It's through his power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. We do it until the end of the age and we take it to the end of the earth. That's what we're called to. The whole planet. And I love being in the Bay Area because we're in this one unique spot that, that San Jose right now, of the 100 largest cities in the U.S., San Jose is the most diverse. It passed New York, it passed San Francisco. We, we have more languages, more people, people from all over. This weekend, when I was standing out on Kring Field back there and I'm looking at our fall festival and I just turned, did a 360 in every direction, and, and overwhelmingly, I thought, the ends of the earth are our neighbors. We have this great opportunity. Now, as we said last week, that's the good news. The bad news is just because they're near doesn't mean they're near to church or near to God or near to a relationship. If you were here, we spent some time talking about how the culture has moved over the last 30 years, especially in the U.S., from a culture that was very close to the church in some ways, at least in thinking values, made it easier to invite people to a culture now that there's a pretty large gap, especially if you live here in the Bay Area. You think, yeah, Tim, the ends of the earth are here, but because of that, many of them come and they have a different worldview, different religion, different mindset. They're not thinking about church or Christianity. That's a pretty big gap. Many of them are here, don't think about religion at all. You know, I saw a stat, it said 50% of those who work in tech are either agnostic or atheist. 7% of the rest of the culture would identify that way. You feel the gap of how many people in our industries, in our area, all around us, that just because God's brought them across the planet, mean, you go, man, I feel that gap. And what we're talking about with this campaign, what we're praying for as a church, what we wanna see is how do we reach as many of these people and build bridges across that gap? How do we build it in a way that they could take a first step toward a relationship with Christ? Last week, I told you about the Venture Event Center. We talked about a rec center and an opportunity because we know sports and the opportunities to connect through that and events that you could do and more festivals like that. And I, since last week, I've heard from so many of you who've come forward and you go, man, either I have a sports background or I've seen that happen or I know my friends would be involved with that. And you've been fired up about it. And we're excited about that. 
This week, we wanna talk about another part of that bridge because sports and festivals will reach some people, but how do we leverage this campus to use it as the oasis God's given us? It's one of the most beautiful pieces right here, but I saw it when people were coming in for the fall festival. I can't tell you how many people, I'd, I'd greet them right there at the door when they were coming in, and we're trying to find parking with them. They had no clue what was on this campus, never had been here before. And we go, okay, how do you create a connection point to create a third place here? And so the second initiative that we have is how do we create a front porch in a backyard, a welcoming place for friends to gather and connect with one another? And here's what we're talking about. One, reimagining and refurbishment of our current front porch to make it more welcoming and accessible. Now, when I say that, you go, what is our current front porch? In fact, what is anything on this campus? I can't tell you how many times when my, before my kids could drive, I'd pull up on the campus to pick one of them up. And I'd say, hey, I'm here, where are you? And they would go, I'm in the front of the church. And I go, no, you're not, I'm in the front of the church. And we were on opposite sides of the building. And I always thought, this is a bad problem if the pastor's family doesn't know where they are on this campus. For somebody who's just coming in, And so when we talk about the front porch, we're talking about this area right over here, this patio and that. How do we create with that? And we want to construct a coffee shop with indoor and outdoor seating, gathering spaces for friends to spend time together throughout the week, a seven day a week coffee shop. How do we provide that connection place, that third place, that place that you could meet with someone, that moms could connect together like you saw in the video. We've heard from young adults that would go, oh man, that would be great just to have that hangout space, not just during the day, but in the evening hours as well. We also with that wanna create a backyard. And this is how do we create that space that connects recreation for kids, students, and families. How do we leverage what we have right behind the building? One of the front doors we have in this church is our student ministry. It's it's been something that it's drawn. God's blessed it in the last few years, especially. Actually, COVID was a huge blessing for us. Because during COVID, right during that time, we just immediately bought two big tents because we wanted student ministry to keep going. We had middle school in one, high school in one of them, and and students who had nowhere else to go could come to that. And because of that, it's created this kind of snowball effect. I mean, if you come on a Tuesday night, there's 300, 325, 50 students who come, not counting the leaders. And we have two great rooms, they're getting packed out, But, but how do we create that space for them to be able to come and to connect that recreation space with it? So to do these two things, this front porch and backyard, and think about it as a front porch and backyard on your house. Your front porch is one of your best places to greet neighbors. Your backyard's one of your hangout spots. We wanna do that for our church house here. Funds to build a youth hangout and activity area right behind, so about three million, and I'll show you what we're talking about in that space with it. Funds to construct a coffee shop with indoor and outdoor patio area, complete with fireplace and seating with it, and three million. And, and then we've said a million, it may be more as we keep going through the facility, but we need to improve the accessibility for people with disabilities. We, we need to improve with it. And so we've got plans of going, how, how do we improve this campus for that? Here's what it would look like. Here's the front porch. So if you think of this front patio area, come and extend that area, but put a a roof over it and some fans and lighting and that. It'll still be an outdoor area, but you can see the outdoor space that leads into an indoor coffee shop. So you got indoor, outdoor, 
Plenty of seating, plenty of connection space with that. This also can be used outdoor venue for other meetings. The weather's great so often here with it. Um, to do that, and you can't see it in this, we've got some sidewalks with better grading to be able to get up to this to make it easier for people and accessible with that. The big staircase that's right here, that big concrete staircase, you know, the beautiful one right over there? We wanna take it out, it takes up so much room and move the staircase over against the wall and take it all the way up. And I don't know if you can see it here, this glass right here, that's an elevator right here. And so it gives accessibility to that next level, accessibility in and a connection space to be able to connect to neighbors and friends with that. Then if you go to the backyard, Come right behind, here are our two student rooms. They're, they're great rooms with it, but connect them with the balcony and a ramp system to be able to get up to them and then create this space. Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, Tim, it was hard enough to get in with parking today. There is that one lot there. We're looking to gain some other spaces with that, but right in this space, put in a, a sport court, some activity area, hangout area, to create that space, to, to add momentum to what God's already doing both with student ministry, but also connection space. They need a physical space to connect with it. We need it more than we realize. If you come on our Sunday night services, we, you know, we have the service at four. I'd, I'd encourage you to come sometime because right after the service, we go out to this grass field that's here in the playground and we have pizza and we hang out in connection. People today, are so busy in that if we can create a space here that becomes a connection point, that becomes a third place. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Uh, community builders use it or planners with it. Uh, it was a, a guy named Ray Oldenburg, a sociologist was the first one to coin it. And he describes a third place. He says, everybody, every culture, if you really wanna strengthen a community, everybody needs a third place. And what he's saying is you have home, first place, and you have work, Where's your third place? Where's your hangout spot? And as they've seen it, and one of the reasons community builders, especially post COVID, I just saw an article this week in the Brookings Institute. And, and the Brookings Institute, as they study it, they said, if we don't create these kind of places, we're living in a world that's so busy and so fractured and next generation in particular, their third place is online digitally. And he said, one of the key things, if you can come and create that, I loved the way that Oldenburg, the sociologist, when he put it in it, he said, he said, the most effective ones are when you build real community in a physical place where people can easily and routinely connect with each other. And then he gives examples of what you should do. He said, it'd be great if it's at churches or a park or a recreation center or a gym or a coffee house or fast food. I'm like, check, 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 we're, we're on all those. And then he said hairdresser. We're not gonna put in hairdresser. But again, that, that connection place that is real, that allows you, as you've got a friend, maybe they are far from God, but as they're starting that journey, and you can connect to them in a physical place, that our young people have a real place to come instead of just a digital place with it. How do we step out? The Brookings Institute are saying, hey, do this because this is what builds strong communities. We don't want to just build community. We want to build the kingdom. We want to connect with people who are not just on a journey to socialize. They're on a journey so that they could meet Jesus in the process. 
And so that's why this core initiative, we feel passionate about this. Now, as I say that, let me just say, because we're talking about building that bridge between church and culture with it. Can I just remind all of us, that's a two-way bridge. It's not just that, man, we hope that we've attracted enough people and they engage and they move. It also means that we've got to go the other way on the bridge. And we have to meet people where they are. And we have to carve out part of our life as missionaries who've been placed in the Bay Area. That, yeah, I'm sure you have another job you do full time. Guess what? God gave you that job so you can glorify him through your work and you can connect to the people that God's placed in your sphere. That's why we're here. And I've got to say for me personally, I've been challenged because it's easy to kind of focus on the campaign and the, the buildings and the things that we're doing, the facilities. But here's the reality, guys. Facilities only facilitate ministry. People have to do it. And we're going to have to have not just a building campaign, we're going to have to have a mindset of how we approach our neighbors and friends, how we think about our lives. I, I was thinking about it. I, I've always been a very missional person. You know, we've lived and moved and done different things. But even this last week, I was just looking at my own life. I'm like, Tim, you're getting a little soft. Have you kind of lost your missional edge? I mean, it's easy to preach about and you do, but man, that, that front line of living your life in a way and connecting with people in that way. And, and as I've looked at it, I, there, there's part of me, I've kind of defined it. Do I have a breakthrough mindset or do I have a get through mindset that I just need to get through today? And I got to get through everything happening in our house. And I got to get through everything that I'm facing at work and get through and get through and get through. And then you kind of get through the week and there's really not much left to break through to others. So part of the conviction has been, man, God, I don't want you to just do something on this campus. I need you to do something in me that we embrace breakthrough. And as I think about it, I've told you guys, the apostle Paul's one of my heroes. And, and I love the way that he lived this out like few other people. And, and that verse that he says when he describes his own life, in 1 Corinthians, he's describing the fact that he was accused of being kind of hypocritical. They said, Paul, when you hang out with Jewish people, you act like Jews and you keep all those customs. When you hang out with Gentiles, you act like them. You hang out with this group, you keep their group. This group, you act this way. And, and he's writing, defending himself in 1 Corinthians, but he's also describing his mindset. And he says in it, you're exactly right. Now he's not saying that he compromises doctrine. He never changed the, doc, the gospel. He was always true to the things you have to hold on to. But he said, when it comes to my personal life, yeah, I'm willing to flex with anybody in order to reach anyone. And I, I love that verse when he describes it. He says, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might reach some. In order that they can partake in the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And as you look at it, what he's describing in this, he says, I've become all things to all people that by all means, it's three alls. I always say it's missionary math. It takes three alls to reach some. He said, I'm willing to sacrifice this. If you, you break it down, I've become all things. What he's saying, there's nothing I won't sacrifice personally. 
He said, I don't hold on to the way I like to do life. When I get with a group, I don't look at them and go, you know, I'm actually Jewish and I don't do that. He says, man, if I can reach them by participating with them, I'll try. He doesn't look at it and go, well, you know, if I'm gonna have an easier life, I kind of hold on to this. Paul's mindset, and guys, he's more radical than anybody out there. He just said, I will sacrifice anything. There's nothing I want with that. And I, I gotta say, just even studying this verse this week, I looked at it and I go, ooh, can I really say that? In fact, there's an exercise in this, this workbook and I'd encourage you to do it. it. It's this week on page 28, it's, it's on the table. It's what are you willing to put on the table? And it forces you kind of to get at a granular level because I think we're really good at church and pastors and all of us, we're really good at making kind of grand pronouncements. Lord, I give you everything. And then when he goes, okay, let's get specific. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't mean that. And, and there's a healthy place to go, man, God, do I give you my time? Am I willing to carve out my schedule? Because I know what reaching that neighbor is going to mean. To build that relationship. Am I willing to look at not just my resources as a whole, but in the parts of it? And go, I'll put that on the table. As we wrestle through this. Paul was willing to sacrifice in that way. In order that he could reach all people. All people. I mean, as he says, and I, I love this, no one's too far from God. No one. No one is too far from God in Paul's mind. And, and if you read through it, every city he went in, every group he interacted with, it didn't matter what their response, and it was different in places. In some places, there was a riot, and they're throwing him out of the city. Some places, they receive it immediately. Some places, he would go in one, one city when he was outside of Durba, he, he was actually taken outside of the city. They stoned him. They threw rocks at him till they thought he was dead or he really did die. We don't know in scripture. Either way, God raised him back up. You know what he did? They drug him out of the city. They stone him. They go back in the city. God raises him up. He goes back in. He says, hey, I've got a couple more points in my sermon. He goes, Paul, obviously, they're throwing rocks at you. And he goes, no, I got a message here that could change lives. And, and as, as you think about it, one of the things I love being part of Venture, some of you, you've been on a journey, you've come from so far, some physically and many spiritually. And sometimes we forget about it. We kind of come into church and we don't realize the backstory of everyone here, how God brought you to Jesus. We got a young man in the church, Chris, and I got to know Chris serving, he'd, he'd come to our first step, our lunch with it. And he was always there serving at one of the tables and, and connecting with people. He serves in the young adult ministry. And I had no clue the journey Chris has come on. I mean, I had just seen him there until I heard his story. In fact, I, I want you to watch Chris's story with me. I grew up in Northwest China. The society in the region is more secular. I was more shaped by traditions, by culture. I didn't hear about Christianity. I didn't hear about Jesus. I heard the name of Jesus mentioned, but I don't know who Jesus is. And I had no interest or intention to know who Jesus is. It's kind of like self-reliant mentality um, without depending on uh, 
just we don't know. We know there might be a God, there might be a heaven, but there's no reverence or knowledge or dependence on God.、Uh, it's mostly dependent on、uh, our own efforts. I had a desire to come to America for grad school. Some classmates reached out to me, invited me to church, but I always had something in my heart. I always, I always had some, you know, walls set up、uh, because. Okay, I I knew they are genuine. They're genuine Christians. They're very kind, inviting me to church,、uh, wanting to share the gospel with me. But had had this something set up in my heart. Okay, I know that's good, but I'm from China. Oh, with、uh, thousands of years of history, and I don't think I need that.、Um, so there's a lot of pride in my heart、uh, and a lot of arrogance,、uh, or you can call it ignorance. Because I didn't know, I didn't know who Jesus is. Looking back, when I first was invited to church, I was received by people's generosity.、Uh, that was when I, you know, my friend invited me to church. When I heard, oh, there's、uh, there's dinner provided, <laughs>、uh, there's there's free free food,、uh, so you don't need to worry about your dinner.、Uh, just come come join me. Yeah, so let's have food and let's you know let's have some Bible study. And yeah, to be honest, that was something. Food was something that attracted me. <laughs> God basically humbled me and and softened my heart to to be willing to accept my friend's invitation when he reached out to me and、uh, invited me to church. We were studying the Book of Matthew,、um, and that was basically the first time when I really started to to start reading the Scripture or getting to the Scripture. Trying to know, okay, who is Jesus? What I learned from Matthew was definitely not something I imagined before, because I didn't know Jesus. Maybe he's some, he was so foreign to me once. But when I started reading, it it felt, it, I felt I was close to him. The closeness slowly softened my heart because he was once super foreign to me. I didn't know where Jesus was born. I didn't know maybe he was he was a white man. <laughs> maybe he was, and I'm from China. It, it felt, you know, back in the days when I, when I was a kid, it, it felt to me maybe there's nothing. We, <laughs> we don't have nothing to do with each other. Being the Bible study just brought Jesus more close to me, and knowing that He cares and He will share my burden. The geographic location the venture is placed here, it's so critical. It's so strategic that because we're in the Bay Area, we're in the Silicon Valley. This is a place where technology is booming, and where a lot of people with great talents are here, and people with lots of influence, maybe in the tech world or in the business world, are around here. And I think there's just so much potential, but we still have so much unreached groups who don't know Jesus. If I had to say, if there are people in my mind who I would want to connect, who I want to reach out to, first would be my family, who are back in China, who don't know the Lord yet. God changed my heart, changed my life by accepting Jesus Christ. And I think one of the mission God wants for me is also to share the good news with my family, people like me who have similar backgrounds, who came here for a better life, and that's what they want. Would. Definitely have the potential to experience Jesus, to experience the peace, the joy, and the miracles that God has in store for them. Our generosity could have a huge impact on the people that we want to reach.
as we become more generous, the impact we'll have on the people in, in the Bay Area will be, will be immense. I'm an example. As someone who was on the fence about accepting Jesus or knowing Jesus to someone whose heart was slowly transformed. I was once an unbeliever, but God is able to change my heart. I have full confidence that God will be able to change my own family's heart in the future. I'm Chris Wu, and I'm asking God for breakthrough in my family. Man, that awesome. There are so many stories like that. There are so many people around us and those simple connection points. Paul said, I, I will become all things to all people so that by all means, there's nothing I won't try. I'm willing to stretch, I'm willing to try, I'm willing to use what's in front of me, I might save some. That nothing is more important than the gospel. That's why he said he lived his life. He thought in that way. And, and I love the mentality of it because he says, I'm willing, I'll sacrifice all things. I'm willing to try all things. I'll try to reach all people so that some will be saved. He had no illusions that everybody's gonna come. He knew that it had to be a work of God. But he also knew if we don't live in this way, will any have that opportunity? Especially around us. I love if you read through Paul's ministry, he does this all the time. He's always looking for these connection points. He's a great person to study because he went to so many different cultures. He went to world cities. In fact, if you look at Acts 17, there's a fascinating passage when he went into Athens. And we know Athens, especially at that time, it was a world center, especially of thought and philosophy and culture. And he goes into Athens and notice when he's walking through the city, I want you to look at his strategy of how he does this. Paul's wait, waiting for them in Athens. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw that it was a city full of idols. So he's looking around and there's idols everywhere. There's altars everywhere. And, and his spirit, when it says it's provoked, there's part of him's like, oh man, these people need Jesus. They're far from God. Now, part of him's also provoked because as a Jew, I mean, you were raised the 10 commandments. What's the second commandment? No idols. And so you'd look at it, it's like, oh man, man, he's about to let them have it for their idolatry, these people who are so pagan. But if you look at how he approaches them, look, look what Paul does. Verse 22, Paul was standing in the middle of the Areopagus. The Areopagus, that was the third place in Athens. You had work at home and then people loved to go down to the Areopagus. It's where, it was entertainment for them. People would stand up and they'd philosophize. People would debate in the Areopagus. And so it was that connection place. That's where Paul finds himself. And, and he said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription to, an, to the unknown God. Now, it's fascinating how he approached it. I, I, I love that Paul, he's looking at it, he's going, oh man, they shouldn't have all these idols. But notice how he starts with them. He starts with a point of connection. He says, hey, I'm looking around. You guys are really religious. And they would be like, yeah, we really are. You have idols and altars. And they go, yes, we're trying to cover all the gods. He says, I even saw an altar to an, the unknown God. 
And, and that was kind of their catch-all altars because in that time period, they would have these altars to gods and in case we missed one, in case we haven't covered all our bets, let's do one to an, the unknown God and then maybe he'll bless us too. I love that Paul looks at it and he goes, oh, there's my bridge. There's my connection point. Because he goes, hey, this altar, the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. He goes, he's unknown to you. I know who he is. I have a personal relationship with him. In fact, he starts teaching me, he goes, hey, you think this God, he's so far away. You think he hasn't revealed himself. He actually revealed, he created everything. And a couple of verses later, he said, he's actually not far from each of us. He's actually close to you. For in him, we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. I love this, these two lines here, that one line in him, we live and move and have our being. That's actually a line by one of their poets named Epimenides. And as he's talking about the gods, he says, hey, as we're in that, he quotes their poet. He goes, you guys have heard this from Epimenides. Uh, and there's another poem, for we are indeed his offspring. That's from another Greek poet, Aratus. And you can go to, it was a popular poem in that time. Paul, again, look what he's doing. He starts with this, hey, you got this unknown God. I know who he is. Let's build a bridge here. I actually know you're cultural enough to be able to quote your poets, to quote your people because I'm doing what I can across that bridge so that you can hear about Jesus. And he launches in this verse to describe this unknown God actually came and was on this planet. His name was Jesus. And he talks about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, as soon as he says resurrection, a lot of them were out. The Greeks looked at it and go, oh man, we're, we're too smart to believe in something like that. In fact, look at their response to the gospel. When they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him, but others said, we'll hear you again about this. Others said, well, I'll listen some more. Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Dionysius was a judge in Athens. He became a Christian. He became the first bishop of Athens over the church. And, and Damaris, another woman in that. I, I love this passage because it's just one little snippet, but it shows Paul living this in action, guys. It shows how he went in and instead of condemning them, oh man, you pagan idol worshipers. He goes, hey, you know what? You're seeking for God and I actually know him. In fact, he's not as far away from you as you think. Can I tell you about him? And not everyone believed, but some did. Because he had a breakthrough mindset that he actually believed that God showed up even in world cities like Athens. He actually believed the gospel could make a difference even at the Areopagus where all the philosophers of the day would stand. Paul said, I've got something greater than philosophy. I've got the good news of Jesus. And I'm willing to reach out to you to share it with you. Guys, that's what we hope. That's what we pray for. That's what, why we build and why we have. is not just to have facilities, but they can facilitate relationship and conversation and connection. You can have the third place that is gospel saturated. 
Because God will show up and give you opportunities more than you realize. I, I think about in my own life. I, I, you know, I told you, God's using this to just remind me of Tim. Man, think about the times you lived missionally around that. I, I remember for me, when I was in college, I had a third place. It, it was called the Toddle House. Uh, anybody been to a Waffle House? If you've been in the South, there's good eating in a Waffle House. Trust me on that one. Uh, the Toddle House was a knockoff of the Waffle House, so you can tell how low down the chain this is. And I was working full-time and I was going to school full-time. And so I would study most nights well into the wee hours. And you meet some interesting people if you keep hanging out in the Toddle House. And I, I think back of all the bridges God built to it. I think of Daryl, who was the night manager and he ran it. And by his own admission, Daryl called himself just an old pothead. Um, and, and, you know, he lived the stereotype of it. And this is, you know, back in the eighties with it. And I would talk to Daryl and we had a deal. Daryl would like to go to sleep in the middle of the night. So I'd let him sleep in the corner. If anybody ever came in, I would wake him up so he can make their food. And then the other part of the deal is I could go in the kitchen and get whatever I wanted during the night. So we had a nice trade-off. I'll never forget though the night Daryl didn't go to sleep. He just hung out with me. And he started telling so many of the stories from Vietnam. And we didn't have a term for it then, but he was just self-medicating. Because Daryl had a lot of pain. And the opportunity to build a bridge just sitting there together and talking to him about Jesus. And he, he would see me all the time. He'd go, I know, I know, I need Jesus, don't I? I was like, more than you know, Daryl. I think of George. He was a graduate student that would come in. We didn't talk much. George didn't like me and I didn't like him either. I, I never knew what it was. He was always rude to me. I think it was because I had a Bible and I was studying, I was you know, studying for ministry and that, and it was always out. And I, I think that put him off from day one. And, and he would be rude all the time. I remember one time he snapped over something and I just was looking at him across. We're the only two in there. And I thought to myself, God, I can't stand that guy. And in that moment, God was like, well, then you need to start loving him. I was like, no, don't say that. And so I determined I, I got to start being nice to George and I start trying to love George. And one night he came in, it was a snowstorm, and his battery was dead and he was so desperate. He finally had to come to me and he said, can you jump my car? And I was like, good, here's my bridge. And I went out and I jumped his car and he pulls off and he doesn't even thank me. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> one night he, he comes in, he sits down in the booth and, and he goes, all right, why are you so nice to me? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, why are you nice to me? He said, I don't like you. And I told him, I was honest with him. I said, George, I don't like you either. <laughs> and he goes, then why are you nice to me? I said, because God told me I'm supposed to love you. And he got this smirk on his face. He said, oh, God told you. And got up and walked away. I was like, oh. And then a couple of months later, it was the last time I ever saw George, he just came into the restaurant like a bolt of lightning. And he sat down straight at my table. And he goes, all right, tell me, tell me. I said, what? And he pointed at the Bible, tell me what you believe. Tell me why you do this. And he sat there and listened and I walked through the gospel. And he, he just 
shook his head a few times, and then he left. And I never saw him again. But I had one opportunity to share good news over a long period of time of trying to build a relationship in a place. I think of a young man named Stefan. He was a, a mechanic. He was getting his diesel mechanics training. And so he went to a, a trade school right down the street from it and he would catch his bus stop was right in front of the restaurant. And so he'd come in many nights and I don't know how we met. I think he saw my Bible as well. But he had this, wasn't a big guy, he had this big booming voice. And then the first time he saw, he said, what's with the Bible? You some kind of preacher? And I said, well, I'm, you know, studying. Hope to be one day. And from then on, he called me preach. Preach! I can tell how many times I'd be in the middle of study and I'd hear the door open. Preach! Boy, do I have a story for you. And he'd come pull up with it. It never failed. The nights I need to study the most were the nights Stefan showed up. And we'd kind of do a game of chicken because his bus came at 10 o'clock. And I knew if he didn't catch the last bus, I was driving Stefan home. And more and more, he'd kind of push it and we would do the drive. I'd take him down to, to Midtown Memphis. And there, there in Midtown, there was these uh, old houses that they had turned to boarding houses. He rented one room in it. It was a tough neighborhood. And I'll never forget one night, I, I was taking Stefan home and he said, preach, you gotta come in. Come on, preach. And I'm looking at the neighborhood going, well, okay. Hey, oh, don't worry about your car. It'll be okay for a few minutes. I drove a Chevette, so I wasn't real worried about the car. And we go into the boarding house and everybody rented a room. You had to put a padlock on the outside of your door to protect your room. So we go to Stefan's room and he unlocks his room and we go in. And he's got a few boxes in his bed. I'll never forget, he goes, preach, I gotta show you this. And I went in and he went over and he pulled out this black t-shirt. He goes, preach, I wanted you to see this. And I'm looking, it's just a t-shirt. And I was a little confused, but I look at his face and it's so earnest. He said, this is my good church, shirt, preach. And you never see me wearing something like this. But you gotta trust me, man, when I wear this, I look good. And as I looked at it, I thought, oh man, I'm so blessed. And he smiled and he said, I mean, I really look good. And I said, I'm sure you do, Stefan. But I, I thought in that moment, everything in him wanted to share part of his world with me. Frankly, a world I couldn't relate to in one way, but in another way, because I knew him, I had a bridge in. And I'll never forget the night Stefan prayed with me and received Christ over a long journey. But God opened a door. See, I, I don't know about you. I, I think I need to be shook up a little bit because I got a get through mentality and I'm trying to get through life. When we've been given the opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ, to be a part of God's breakthrough to this planet, to this community, to people from all over the world. 
Man, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. In fact, I would encourage you as we just close out, we need breakthrough power as well. This is a spiritual battle, guys. This is a spiritual battle. Paul never forgot that. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers. There is an evil one who enslaves the hearts and minds of people. And that's why Paul, when he talks about putting on spiritual armor and spiritual battle, notice how he ends it. He says, pray, pray. He says, pray in the spirit at all times, every occasion, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He says, we've got to pray because of this and pray for me too. And I love this line. He said, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. The good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains. He's in prison while he writes this, but still preaching this message as God's ambassador. And look at this last line. So pray that I will keep speaking boldly for him as I should. And I'm thinking if Paul needs prayers to be bold, oh man, how much do we need prayers? How much do we need to pray? And I just challenge you, pray. Pray for you, pray for me. Pray that we would be a bold, powerful witness that God would reach people that's beyond our explanation because he's got the power to do so. Not because we have the power. I'd ask you, join us. That's why we're doing a 24 hour event. That's why we wanna to link together, just to get the whole church praying, involved in it. That's why we'll do a prayer walk with it. That's why this prayer will be a key part of this, not just during these six weeks, but going forward. If we're going to reach this world, we need prayers of boldness for the kind of power that only Jesus can give. Guys, I, I implore you, go on the journey with us so that God could break through our hearts so that we could see a mindset and embrace why we're here and the opportunity he's given. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for, for the good news that somebody shared with us. Lord, I thank you for Chris, that you brought him here, that you opened his eyes. I pray as he's praying for his family back in China, Lord, would you build a bridge back to them? Lord, I pray for, for people who came to our campus this weekend that, that don't know you, they're far from you. Would you continue to bring them in contact with your church, with your people, so they can know you? Lord, I, I pray for this series. Lord, I just pray for my own heart. Would, would you shake me out of a get-through mindset to a breakthrough mindset? Greatest opportunity we have is to reach others right now on this side of eternity. Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes and our hearts to all who are around us. Lord, we thank you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.